for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I am your host. Um, it has been about a week, man. Uh, things have been crazy, um, but we're getting back on schedule. We have a fantastic guest tonight. Uh, we're really looking forward to this. Um, we do something a little bit different today, too. Jill is going to join us, our promoter. She's going to join us uh, on the podcast now and start doing the introductions. It just made a lot more sense since Jill really interacts with the guests before they get here. So, Jill, the floor is yours. Thank you, Dion. And thank you, Matthew, for your willingness to come on and share your experience, strength, and help. You know... When I entered the rooms of AA, I was lost and broken. And Matthew, I heard you say, keep coming back and don't stop until the miracle happens. And I needed and I wanted a miracle. So I kept coming back. And that was in 2015. Um, So thank you. And so Dion, now it's the floor is yours. (laughs) I don't know that I can follow that. Uh, <laughs> Matthew, welcome. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking your time. I know that we're interrupting work a little bit. Um, it's just so cool how how willing people are to come on and do this with us. So welcome to the show. Um, you know, the show is now yours. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and let's hear your story. All right. My, my name is Matthew, and I am an alcoholic. Hello, Matthew. You know, and I am under the firm belief that I was born an alcoholic. You know, um, I don't think it's something that you acquire. I think it's something that's ingrained. Okay. You, you know, um, reflecting back on my life, um, I actually sometimes introduce myself in meetings as an a-holic. You fill in the blank because everything that I've ever liked somewhat I have done to the excess and I needed more and I needed it now. Yeah. You know, um, I was born in, in 1971 in seven Oaks, Kent, which is a, which is a County just South of London. All right. And, uh, you know, my, my dad was very successful. Um, he was a real estate agent over there. Wow. And my my mom helped him out. And, you know, my dad worked all day. And I come to find out later on in life that my mom drank all day, you know. And, uh, you know, I also found out in my adult life that every single member of my family unit, from grandparents to uncles to aunts to cousins, is an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had the, uh, the deck stacked against me from jump. Um. You know, we, we moved to the United States when I was 10 years old. And, uh, you know, dad said, let's go live the American dream. So we came over here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was uh, really into rock and roll music. And okay. um, I said to dad, hey, dad, I want to play drums. <laughs> so dad went out and bought me a drum set. 
Wow. And I really, I really liked it. So what did I do? I did more of it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I went to a couple of concerts and, uh, I wanted to be like those guys up on stage. Uh -huh. So I researched that, you know, and, uh, they were into all the sex, the drugs and the rock and roll, you know, the 1980s, the decade of oh, decadence. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was with some buddies, my first recollection, I mean, throughout the course of my life, I've drank since I was probably crawling around, you know, your parents give you a sip of your drink and my yeah. parents, they would have parties at their house where there's 50 people mm -hmm. and, they, they got hammered. They got hammered. So that to me, getting hammered was a normal thing was to do. Normal. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's what you, looked normal to me too. Yep. Exactly. You work hard to drink hard. As long as you get up and go to work tomorrow, everything's okay. That's right. So that, that was, that was kind of my belief. But, uh, the first time I really started drinking regularly, um, I was 12 years old and me and a couple buddies were rifling around in his garage and we, we found his dad's beer stash. Okay. So we, we crack open some beers and, uh, you know, I drank mine and then we drank another one. And, and while these guys are sitting there getting giggly and stupid, the only thing I want is more. Uh -huh. So I proceeded to drink more and, and I drank as, as, as much as I possibly, as much as I possibly could, um, whenever I could, you know, mom and dad had a stock bar. So, uh -huh. uh, you know, getting drinks anytime I wanted to was no problem. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, so I, I got into a rock and roll band and played drums in a rock and roll band in <laughs> every band practice, which was five days a week, we were drinking a case of beer. Mm -hmm. And this is like 12, 13, 14 years old. And I, I did that kind of behavior until I was, uh, 23 and ended up with my first child. Okay. You know, um, I, I never went anywhere to be there and to enjoy where I was at. I went there because there yeah. was going to be booze or there was going to be drugs. And because I could just, just get high or get drunk. Yeah. And, uh, it, it's the way I functioned my, my entire life. Um, I got my first job my first real job when I was 12, when it was at a restaurant in uh, Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I was a plate wiper. The dishwasher <laughs> brought, bought, bought me plates yeah. and I was a little monkey suit and I would dry the plates, and take them out to the buffet. Mm -hmm. yep. And then I would come back in and wait for my plates. And I would sit here and watch these chefs working and I was blown away. And then they'd clean up at the end of the day and they go out to the parking lot and everybody was getting drunk and high mm -hmm. in the parking lot. And I kind of fell into that career. Yeah. You know, so, um, I, I got a job cooking and, uh, because I kind of liked the fact that being a drunk or using drugs was acceptable in that profession because everybody that I worked with at that time was doing it. Yeah. And that definitely, uh, you know, catered to my alcoholism. Yep. I can't, I can't count how many times I mean, when I worked at Winchell's, IHOP, we were always in the cooler. There was usually, there was usually a joint sitting in the cooler and you just went back there every now and again, hit it and then went back to work. And that's what we used to do. Yeah. I, uh, I went to, uh, I went to a barbecue 
um, with one of my guitarists. This this is where I met my first wife. I was single at the time, oddly enough. Okay. And uh, my guitarist says, you know, there's this girl I want you to meet. And I won't give any names because, you know, I think I believe anonymity is very important. But absolutely. Um, I went to this barbecue and, you know, opened the door and walked in and there was this hot blonde chick standing across the room. And I was like, wow, I don't care who I'm here to meet. I'm going to be with that. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, let me introduce you to her. So he walked me over to that hot blonde chick and introduced me, you know, so we were drinking, 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 um, you know, two weeks later, she was pregnant. Oh, um, you know, three months later, we were married. Five months later, we had a child, and three months later, we were divorced, and the whole time I was drunk. Yeah. And that, that, mm -hmm. that is the story of my first um, marriage. Yeah. I was a, a chef at the Hyatt Regency at the time, and, uh, you know, I got called down to the Human Resources Office, and an Arapahoe County Sheriff served me divorce papers. Wow. And, and the whole reason for that was because all I did was drink. Yeah. Drink, drink, drink. It, it uh... Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I look back over the, the course of my life and I've made a lot of mistakes. You know, um, I ended up in jail a lot of times. I, I, I got a DUI. Um, I was always angry and wanting to get in fights. And uh, if mm -hmm. I didn't get in a fight, my evening wasn't a success. <laughs> you know, I, it, was all, it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I uh -huh. say drugs, but... Uh, you know, I did a lot of drugs also, but booze was always the catalyst. You know, um, I, I had quite the affinity for Jack Daniels and Budweiser. And uh, I was a beam and Budweiser guy. Well, you know, I did beam for a little while, too. And then I got tired of beam. So, yeah. you know, you go, you go to Southern Comfort <laughs> yep. and then you go to Johnny Red, Johnny Black. And then you hit the Jack Daniels and it's like you just came home. Yeah. <laughs> you Made know, that but, full uh, circle. Oh, that, that's no joke. That's uh -uh. No joke. So, um, wow. Yeah. Um, I, when I was with my first wife during that barrage of, uh, drinking, you know, she suggested that I had a drinking problem and should go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. So I went to my first Alcoholics Anonymous in 1995. I think it was October 1995, but it was okay. a room. Called, it was a room called the Dragon's Den. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I, so I walk into this place for their morning meeting before I'm going to work. And the first thing that happened, this guy pounced on me and said, "Hey, you're new in the program." He goes, "Let me sponsor you." And I was like, "Whoa, you know, I just I don't even know if I want to be sober." Yeah, you know? that's Dragon Dens for you though. That's why yeah. I, exactly why it happened to me. That's why Jill's looking at me. Ray, well, I, know, my sponsor was Ray Hayworth. I don't know if you knew him over there. This but. guy's name was Dave. This was back in 1995. I don't yeah. know. I don't know his last name, but uh, yeah. you know, he kind of pounced on me, and just because I didn't know any different, I decided I would check it out. You know, so I went <laughs> over to his house. Okay. And it was too much, too fast, and it chased me right back out the door. Okay. You know, so this was in, in 1995. So, you know, I, I ended up getting a second job at a Denny's restaurant as a graveyard cook. So I was chefing at the Hyatt Regency from 2 to 10. Then I would work at Denny's from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. to pay for my lawyer from this divorce. Yeah. 
lo and behold, the manager there takes a liking to me. And uh, she let me have 12 packs of beer in the cooler while I was working or do whatever I wanted to. Well, she ended up nice. being my wife. She ended up being my <laughs> wife. You know, during that period, I lost my place to live. So she goes, move in with me. Okay. So I'm like, okay. You know, I was with that woman for 24 years and uh, just recently finalized my divorce last year. Wow. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, I have four children total. She had a, a 30 year old, uh, excuse me, what am I saying? She had a five year, <laughs> she had a five year old daughter when okay. we met and I ended up adopting her. You know, we had, uh, another little girl and we had a little boy and you, you know, them with my, 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 my first son from my first marriage, you know, it made quite the, uh, quite the Brady bunch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the whole time I was with my second wife, um, we'll call her. No, we won't call her nothing. We'll just call her my second wife. Yeah. You know, I, I was drinking seven days a week, you know, um, an opportunity came up, you know, for, for a job. Um, no, that's not how it happened. You know, I was, uh, shoot. I, I went to village Inn. I was a kitchen manager village Inn for years. I went on to a retirement community. Okay. Um, and I drank my way out of the door at, at each of these jobs. Um, right. Let me see. And then uh, I went home drunk and stupid one night and uh, started yelling at my second wife and uh, ended up with a domestic violence charge. Oof. So uh, I ended up uh, with this domestic violence charge. You know, I, I went to 25 of the 26 classes. And the 26th class, we had a substitute in the room. Now, because it was my last class, I decided to go out and celebrate the day before. Oh. So I, I walk into this meeting, you know, sit down as I always did, because I I always had been drinking the night before. Yep. And uh, the substitute goes, oh, oh, he goes, uh, he goes, Miss, Mr. Goulding, he goes, will you come with me? I said, sure. So we walk back into his office and he pulls out this thing. He goes, blowing this. Mm -hmm. He goes, I detect the presence of alcohol. So I blew in it and I blew a, a 0.23 at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> so they canceled out these classes and yeah. uh, I had to go back to court. So I went to court and because I figured I was going to jail, I went out and partied the night before, right? Mm -hmm. Um so I go into court, I've got my suit and tie on, I'm all gussied up, and uh, the district attorney comes over to me, he goes, Mr. Goulding, will you come with me? I said, sure. So I walk through the back of the chambers, I go into this room, he goes, uh, you know, I detect the presence of alcohol, would mm -hmm. you mind blowing? I said, no. So I blew in the tube, and uh, lo and behold, at 8.30 in the morning, I blew a .23, exactly the same blood alcohol level I blew when I got kicked out of the class. Wow. That too shows the, your level. That shows your well, level of normal. Yeah. I mean, and I was fully oh. functional. Yeah. I was fully functional. Wow. You know, so the judge uh, gave me 10 days in jail as contempt of court, plus the 30 days they were holding over my head for this mm -hmm. charge. So, um. I, I went to jail, you know, and, and, and that's kind of fast forwarding um, through the beginning of my drinking. Um, 
you know, the, the, when it comes to alcoholism and, and, and how it was before, I could kind of go on forever. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I left out a chunk where I got in a car wreck that put me in a coma for two weeks. I came out of a coma. Mm-hmm. I had a five, 5% chance of living and a 1% chance of walking while I was in a coma. When I came out, you know, my dad said to me, and I don't remember this, okay, but he tells me this. He says, Matthew, he goes, what happened? I said, he told me to come back. Wow. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not sure um, what that means, but looking back, that, that, that may have been my first spiritual experience. Yeah, wow. You know, but, um, you know, fast forwarding again. Um, so I, I went to jail and I did the time. And when I got out of jail, I had nowhere to live. I had no job. So my, uh, my father picked me up and, and took me to uh, down to Nevada where him and my mom decided to retire so I can get back on my feet. Okay. You know, so, um, you know, I got a job at a casino down there as a sous chef. Okay. Um, running a buffet. And it was the perfect environment because I could work in the evening and then I could drink all night because it's 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that, I thought that was the perfect setup, <laughs> you know, um, but it didn't work. You know, I, I ended up um, losing my job, not because I was directly related to booze, not because I was stumbling around drunk, but it was the residual effects of alcohol. Like when you wake yeah. up hang, hung over your entire life, you're kind of an asshole with a short temper. Absolutely. And I said the wrong things to the wrong person and ended up with my walking papers. Yeah. Um, so, um, <clears throat> you know, I had just lost the best job of my life because during the time I was there, I got promoted to executive chef mm-hmm. and they had given me my own casino to run. And, uh, it, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, I had a liquor cabinet in my office that I could nip on anytime and, uh, pretty much had free reign of the casino until it was sold. And that's when said incident happened that I said the wrong thing to the wrong person and ended okay. up without a job. So, <clears throat> you know, the whole time this is going on, my, my, my wife and kids can't stand me because all I did was drink and be an asshole. Yeah. Um, you know, my kids would bring their friends home and I'd be laying on the couch, passed out, holding mm-hmm. a bottle of Jack. They would cover me up and say, oh, don't worry about that. That's just yeah. my dad. Yeah. You know, so, so I lost this job, um, decided to go out and get really drunk because that's the way I, mm-hmm. I, I dealt with everything. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I went home and I looked in the mirror and it was a corpse looking back at me. True. It just so happened that this was... Uh, December 31st of 2011. Okay. And uh, I, I couldn't go on anymore, man. I was looking in the mirror. I've got this, this, these empty eyes of this dead man looking back at me. I just, I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't function. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't think I, I was unhappy. I had nothing. So um, I knew about Alcoholics Anonymous. So uh, I, I decided I'd give it a whirl. So mm-hmm. I, I, I got up the next day and I poured myself into a chair in a room of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, gave this thing a go. You know, um, mm-hmm. throughout the course of my life, I, I had tried Alcoholics Anonymous on 
on four separate occasions. This, this last time being the fourth time. Okay. Um, you have to excuse the unorganized um, <clears throat> presentation, but you know, <laughs> I've kind of been put on the spot here, my friend. Uh, it, it, it all gets put together, though. It does. Yeah. yeah. No, it's making sense. I'm enjoying you know, this. You know, so uh, my sobriety date is January 1st of 2012. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a job. I wasn't welcome in my house. So, uh, you know, I lived in the rooms of AA. Yeah. You know, it it suggested an Alcoholics Anonymous to do 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm -hmm. I did 90 meetings in my first 42 days. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I did night, I did the 90 and 90 for probably six years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, Mm -hmm. Conscious contact with a power greater than ourselves. That, that, that's what this program is about. You know, um, so that was what it was like. Yeah. Um, what, it's, what it's like now. Um, well, you know, when I first got sober, there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, what do you get when you sober up a horse thief? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got a sober horse thief. That's well, right. That saying stuck with me because, you know, my entire adult life, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. I got drunk, I got high, and I chased women. Um, You know, remember when we started, I said I was an a-holic. A sexaholic fits in there, too. Mm-hmm. A drugaholic fits in there, too. I was I was uh, not a, a very upstanding character. Yeah. Um, the first five years of my sobriety, I was a sober horse thief. Mm, okay. You, you know, I, I, I still was a womanizer. Um, you know, I, I was still short-tempered. It, I, I don't know, man. I, I got my one-year coin um, January 1st of 2013, and I, I held on to that thing like it was it was the biggest accomplishment of my life because at the time it was yeah you know and and i I held on to this thing and uh i always had it in my pocket and one morning i get up to put my coin in my pocket um i've lost it you know Mm -hmm. so we, we had just moved here from we moved back here from mesquite nevada we moved into my sister in law's house Okay. You know, she had she had an unfinished basement, so we pieced down all these pieces of carpet and we put our furniture on there, so it looked like we had an apartment. Yeah. You know, so my my, my coin was missing, so I I tore apart all my clothes, couldn't find it. Looked at my car, couldn't find it. I looked at work, I couldn't find it. You know, I was just about to go to my home group, which at the time was the Little Red House in Commerce City. Yeah. And uh, get a replacement one year, one year chip. Well, you know, I, I go to bed this night and I have this dream that, uh, that my chip is under this very specific piece of carpet okay. under my bed. You know, so I wake up and, and it was very vivid. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, what the hell? You know, I get down on my knees and I look <laughs> under my bed and there's that specific piece of carpet I saw in my dream. Mm-hmm. I lifted up that piece of carpet and there was my coin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that that's too coincidental to be yeah. a coincidence. You know, that, that, that that's chills, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so 
that that was my first spiritual experience but you know somehow i still wasn't sold i still needed to be in charge you know so um you know i i ended up leaving julie um oh excuse me i, I just gave you her name i ended up leaving my second wife um and we won't go into her dirty laundry but, but anyway <laughs> you know and i i went through a couple of uh other failed relationships just okay. due, to the, due to the fact like because i've i didn't know how to treat a woman i didn't know how exactly. to treat a woman like a lady mm-hmm. Be- because you know sex drugs and rock and roll that, that kind of constitutes that a, a woman is just a just a piece of meat yep and uh that that's the way i treated women for for a long time you know um at six years sober something happened Um, and my God consciousness grew and I I established a a contact with the power greater than myself. You know, I, I was, uh, going to a room in Brighton and I I took over the newcomers meeting at five years sober. Okay. And and something happened in that year between year five and six, where something about God really clicked. Yep. I mean, I, I read the big book numerous, numerous times, cover to cover, and I believe it's on page 47. It says, God is either, either everything or he is nothing. Mm-hmm. What is your choice? To, what is your choice to be? Yep. You know, and, and at this point in my sobriety, nine years and some months later, God is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I established a relationship with 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 a higher power. I I, I talk to him every day. I kind of joke with people because they say, make your own concept of God. It says in chapter four, we, the agnostic, Mm -hmm. it says, make your own concept of God. So, you know, I kind of joke around with people, you know, my my God wears a cowboy hat, smart, smokes Marlboro cigarettes. He's really (laughs) pretty cool. You know, and if you're having trouble with God, you know, please feel free to use my God, because if he's big enough to get me sober, he's big enough yep. for you, too. Absolutely. You know, so what it what it what it's like now is. Uh, there's no more chaos. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there's no more anger. You know, I, I, I went I, I've been through the steps a couple of times and. uh I recently just finished going through the steps again. Um, you know, I still have a sponsor at, at, at nine years sober. I have a sure. sponsor. We yeah. meet every Monday and we go through the big book one line at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny at, at this stage of my sobriety, the big book takes on a whole new meaning. You know, I, as we get sober, our sobriety matures, our experiences matures, our relationship with God has matured. So the way we read the sentences in the book changes every time I go through it. Yes, it does. You know, um, it, it, it used to be all about me, about what can I get? <laughs> what can I get? Yeah. How am I, what am I going to get out of this? Um, today, it's different. I, I, I reach out my hand to a lot of people, and, and I'm the, the last person on my prayer list today. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I go to a room. I'm sure you've heard of Mountain View. Sure have. <laughs> you know, um, my 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 current girlfriend, um, she got sober there 17 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, I uh, ever since I've met this woman, you know, 
it's helped me get closer to God. I cool. was busy. I was busy dating normies. Now you can't talk to a normal person about <laughs> God and about the situations we contend with, and, that, and have and have them expect to have them look at you like you're normal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I, I was I was in a meeting and uh, on a Sunday and. Uh, this little lady always sat across the room from me every Sunday. So, you know, I was single, recently terminated relationship. I said, <laughs> I went over after the meeting. I said, Hey, you want to go grab a hamburger? She said, sure. And, uh, mm. you know, to almost two and a half years later, here we are, man, it, going strong. It's awesome. You know, it's, uh, and let, let me ask you, how is that relationship different from, say your previous marriages and stuff. I mean, now that, now that, you know, you've worked on all of this and your emotional sobriety, now you know what it's like to treat a lady. So what is, what's it like for you now? What it's like for me now is, uh, I find it very fulfilling, but before my, my, my girlfriend and my wife wasn't my best friend. Yeah. And, and the level of trust, um, you have to have, complete trust in order for a relationship to work absolutely um, and in past relationships i was so busy fucking everybody around i thought they were doing the same thing to me mm -hmm. yeah you know um today i bring god into every day yeah you know and uh you know with with my current girlfriend working a program also we have ways to deal with situations that other people don't have. Yeah. Yeah. There's, we have a different uh, set of tools, which I think is really have, neat. That spiritual toolbox that they talk about in the big book. Mm -hmm. I use that thing every day, man. It, it's got a wrench for every nut. Yep. You know, and, and it has a wrench for this nut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was waiting on that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting off track here, man. Uh, uh, all right. Sorry. You know, I, I used to go, no, you don't have to apologize, brother. You know, I, I used to go to two and, you know, two, maybe two meetings a day, seven days a week. Um, I was doing, you know, eight to 10 meetings a week on the average for about six years. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I find today that, you know, I, I don't have to attend that many meetings anymore mm -hmm. due to the fact that I've, um, established a relationship with a power greater than myself yeah you know for the longest time my god was a group of drunks the room of alcoholics anonymous and um you know like i like i was saying something that's six years sober things kind of came together for me and uh, i find myself i go to at least two meetings a week but i find myself today enjoying what sobriety has given me mm-hmm you know, I don't have to live in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous because I'm I'm not always thinking about a drink. I'm not always thinking about a drug. Correct. You know, I, I find myself, you know, what it's kind of cool. It's like when you get sober, life gets very colorful. Yeah. <laughs> because you're walking down the street and you see this this bunch of roses. Wow, those those roses are so beautiful. Wow, look at that sun. Wow, the look grass at those. is green. 
Look at those yeah. look at those mountains, man. That was <laughs> that wasn't like that before. You know, I yeah. I, I, I once ran through my life with blinders on to the next high. Yeah. You know, um I, I work with a few new people today and I tell them, you know, in sobriety, it's very important to be where your feet are. You know, be where you're at and enjoy every minute of every day. You know, um, you know, I, I ran through my life, like I was saying, always trying to get to the next something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. Um, always trying to get this, always trying to get that, never enjoying what I had. Yeah. You know, at this stage, this stage of my life, man, I, it's a trip. You know, they, they say that you don't mature mentally or emotionally after you start drinking on a regular basis. Yeah, it stunts your growth. Yeah, so what am I, a 49-year-old, 12-year-old? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, sorry, I said that out loud. Uh, no, no, that's, <laughs> that, that's okay, man. You know, the way this presentation is going, you know, I bet you're, you're probably right on the money. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it, uh, what a trip, man. What a trip. You know, um, life is good today, man. Yeah. Life is good today. Like we stated when we when, when before the, the the thing aired, you know, I don't wake ever every, every day wondering what I did last night. Yeah. You know, I I, I I don't I'm not always chasing excitement. I'm not always chasing the chaos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my idea of a good Friday night is sitting on the couch with my girlfriend watching the same fucking shows we watched last weekend. On That's the right. Night. Yeah, I am good with that, brother. <laughs> Keep it simple, you know. Um, wow, I was so busy chasing chaos that I missed all the little simple things, you know. Yeah. Um, but now we get to enjoy those even more, I think, because because of what we went through. I think we tend to feel a little bit more, you know, because we went a little bit further. So I, I, I don't think it's like we get to enjoy it. I, I think it's we finally realize that it's there. There you go. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, a level of appreciation. One of the one of the best best things about sobriety is that feeling of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was uh, I was advised when I first started getting sober to write a gratitude list every morning. Yeah. You know, get up and get out of bed and roll over and write down three things that you're grateful for. Well, I don't have three things I'm grateful for. What about that pillow you rested your head yeah. on? What about that bed you're sleeping on? What about mm-hmm. the fact that it's warm in your house? You know, so my gratitude list today is huge because it contains everything. Yeah. When it started out, I had no gratitude. Uh-huh. I had no level of appreciation for anything because God, my life was so fucking shitty, man. If, if you had my life, you'd drink too. Yeah. Um, it's not like that today. You know, um, I look back, I look back at my life and I'm like, wow, what an asshole, uh-huh. you know? And, and, I mentioned when I, the last night I drank, how I looked in the mirror and I was, I had a corpse looking back at me that was completely hopeless. Mm-hmm. Today, that's not the case. Yeah. You know, I, I get up at, at four or five o'clock in the morning 
a.m. to go to my first job and uh, get up, look in the mirror, and there's a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. I wake up and I talk to God. Yep. It says on page 84 that upon awakening, we think about the 24 hours ahead. Yep. And and, and, and I do that today. And, yeah. uh, you know, the promises the promises are coming true. You know, there's a uh, sobriety has given me a zest for life today. I, I'm mm-hmm. always excited to see what's coming next. Yeah. You know, I went from the, the, the hopeless state of mind and body that it talks about in the big book. And the problem was removed, you know, I, and th- this time around, the time I was in the room before, the, 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 the three times I was in Alcoholics Anonymous before, I was kind of picking what steps I'm going to do. I was kind mm-hmm. of picking, yeah. kind of, okay, I'll do that one, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get to this one. Oh, fuck yeah. that one. Yeah, one, two, three, and 12. That works. Shit, I want yeah. I I to go from one to 12, you know? <laughs> you know I, came, I came in the door. Isn't that enough? You know, um, you know, th- th- this time around, I-, I did what people suggested. And, you know, when I shared meetings today, I-, I-, I advise the newcomers to listen to all these old crusty fuckers in the room, because if you <laughs> notice, they're happy. <laughs> you know, I, I-, I don't think in- until I got sober, I was ever really happy. Mm-hmm. You know, it-, it was it was always a fake laugh because I was always thinking about where I can get some more. Yeah, I wasn't listening to you. If if there was if I didn't have enough alcohol in me, I was thinking about alcohol. Well, that, that, that's at a all fact. times I had. Yeah, I had no, I had no peace at all whatsoever in the last years. It was just pure torture in my head. Just and even even at the point where I did have enough or even blacked out, still wanted more. Still yeah, wanted that, more. That, that's a fact. You, you mentioned that the, the 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 voices in your head. I had such a war going on inside my head the, mm-hmm. the, the last few years of my drinking, and I couldn't win. Yeah. It, it wouldn't allow me to be happy. I, I drank when I didn't want to drink. You know, I, I drank when I thought I wanted to drink. When there was nothing else to do, I drank. When there was something to do, I drank. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if there wasn't booze somewhere, I wasn't going to be there. Sorry. You know, I mean, shit, I took my kids and all my nieces and nephews to a Chuck E. Cheese for one of my kids' birthdays because, you know what, they had Coors Light on tap. That was yep. better than nothing. Yeah, it's 3-2, but okay. Much. Doesn't matter, dude. You just drink yeah. twice as much. Yeah. Like, it, like, it, like, like it mattered. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I was just sitting no. in the bathroom. <laughs> Well, go through you too quick. You, you bring that, that's why God made flasks, right? Yeah, <laughs> Matthew. I have a feeling that you probably got to come back for everything, brother. <laughs> uh, man, I, you, you know, um, more I want more and I want it now. I mean, that was that that was kind of the uh, the, the, the direction of, of my drinking days, and you know, I have to be very conscious of myself today because it's real easy to slip back into that mindset with anything it is yeah you know anything i like um wow yeah i i work uh 
I work two jobs today. Mm-hmm. It, I, I guess I'm kind of addicted to money. <laughs> but um, could be worse things to be addicted to. I maybe addicted to responsibility. Doing ooh, the right thing. I don't want any of that. I don't want that, do I? <laughs> oh, touch it on something. We're getting hitting something touchy here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, right, right, right. It, Matthew, it's been real cool to listen to your stories. We have a lot of similarities, even in the way that we talk. Um, the sober horse thief, I use it all the time. It makes perfect sense to me. Um, well, it, it, it's a fact. I, w- when you come in the rooms, they say you only have to change one thing. You know, and that's everything. And that's the truth, man. I mean, you you can't do what you you used to do. You can't hang out with who you used to hang out with. You can't go where you used to. I mean, at first, you can't. Yeah. You know, because it says alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful. Even if you don't want to drink, you're going to drink. You know, so when when I first came in this time around, I, I basically lived in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. I was at the at the meeting before the meeting making coffee. I was at the meeting after the meeting, you know, helping clean up. I would go out yeah. to coffee with these people after that, just so I could stay in the middle of the herd. Yeah. You know, um they they, they advise to stay in the middle of the herd. That way you don't get picked off. And so that's a great way to put it, you know, and you know, we don't, you know, we do not we do not shoot our wounded here in a either. You know, even if you keep coming back, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do with open arms, man. Um, And that's what I, that's what I love about the program is uh, tolerance, kindliness, and love, man. It's, it's a mainstay. It doesn't matter where you go to AA, you're going to find it. You know, love and tolerance is our code. You know, when people go back out and they come back in, I think it actually helps everybody else in the room. I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of a negative that turns into a positive because you're still aware that it doesn't work out there. Correct. Because when this person was stringing together some sobriety, sobriety, they all of a sudden were smiling. They were happy. They looked good. Yeah. You know, you go back out, you come in the rooms and, and you're beat to shit again. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think being on the research and development team <laughs> at, this, at this stage of my life is a very good idea absolutely yeah you know I, i've known people with, with with a shit ton of sobriety who went back out drinking man and, and the, the, some people didn't make it back yeah you know mm-hmm. so, some people some people died um yeah. i don't think i want to put myself in that position no you know not anymore you know, the way my life has improved in recent years, I can't wait to see what's next, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they said to me, you know, write down what you think you want out of sobriety. And I guarantee you, <laughs> you, you shortchange yourself. Right? Oh yeah. You you know, know, and I, and I always do that. I always put more expectations and give myself less, you know, and I always do. And I don't deserve that. You know what? An expectation is just a resentment Damn waiting it. to happen, brother. That's right. <laughs> you, you know, um, you know, I, I, I focus today on being where I'm at and trying to enjoy every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mentioned that my mom was was a big drinker, a big drinker. You know, um, my mom just turned uh, 70, 
76 years old. Okay. And uh, last Sunday, she hit 120 days sober. Oh, right on. God is good, man. God is God good. Is good. Right know, on. I, 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 uh, I've been talking to my mom over the course of my sobriety, trying to get her on board. Um, you know, and I shared about this in meetings because they always say, come in here and throw it on the table. And there's somebody in the room who's been through the same shit who can help you figure it out. That's right. Yep. You know, the outpouring of love that I found, um, when I brought up my mom's, my mom's issues, it really endears me to Alcoholics Anonymous that much more, you know, um, I've got some friends today in Alcoholics Anonymous who I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, um, we think the same way we, 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 you know, work in a program. If the rest of the world, all those fucking normies could work a 12 step program, (laughs) what a peaceful place we would live in. Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, sobriety is good, man. It is. Sobriety is really good. And, uh, you know, Matthew, I really appreciate you taking time, uh, you know, because because we've been trying to book this for for a little bit. So we had to do a little bit later, which I don't mind. I'm really glad that we were able to get get you on here. And I just think it's really, really cool because I've never met you, but you might as we might as well be just switching seats here because every, everything you say, I'm a drummer. All right. <laughs> I, on, I, I did the I did the. You know, I did the rock and roll scene, um, moved here when I was 10, you know, um, even you're like, you know, uh, be where your feet are, you know, things like that. Except mine's if you have one foot in tomorrow, one foot in yesterday, you piss all over today. All over today. See, we all have, we have the same lines. And that's yep. what I, that's what I love about this program is it, it is so consistent, <laughs> you know, it, you and know, it's you, so neat. You, you tell people when, when, when they're brand new coming into AA, you got a bunch of people who don't know you, but they know you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we've walked the same path, brother, all you gotta do is give me your name. We already know each other. Yeah. You and, know, and, and that's why we can, that's why we can help when no one else can. That's um, a fact. Um, being there yourself and that experience has, you know, especially when we use, well, you don't know what my life is like and, you know, and all those, well, yes, I do. You know, and now all of our excuses are over with. We can't, you know, if you You killed somebody, I guaranteed your sponsor killed two people. You know, it's a little extreme, but. No, God had, God has a way of putting similar people together. Uh You know, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that you, you can't teach somebody how to recover from alcoholism. If you learned about it from a book. Yeah. Unless you, unless you felt the pain, you felt the confusion, you lived the struggle. I don't think you can help somebody. Man. Mm. Yeah. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is a godsend because you've got a bunch of people who used to be self-centered pricks who were fucked up, who, who want to help people today <laughs> recover from that same bullshit that they went through. Yeah. And we're able to put aside all of that so that we can have one common cause and that's to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. Amen. That's, and, that's what and we're I here really, for. I really like coffee too, man. So, you know, yeah. you never try <laughs> coffee in room. You know, and I don't think I've ever had so much fun in my life more than, you know, 
every time I go to a meeting, I have a, you know, they can be, sometimes they can be pretty hard to go through, but I always feel better. Yeah. Always. It know? doesn't. And, and, you know, my mother told me that same thing. She said, no matter what's going on in my day, if I leave a, a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, I always feel a little bit better. Yeah. You know, I told her that's because God stepped in and tapped you on the head and said, good morning. Yeah. You feel, you feel a little bit lighter and I always leave with hope. I think yeah. hope, hope is so huge. Um, hope, we is need a big, hope is a big thing. We, we have a member of our group who she discusses hope every time she shares with the newcomers, because let, let's face it. When you come in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, Nobody came in on a winning streak. Yeah. Oh shit! Life is great. Life is great. Let me go to a meeting. <laughs> Doesn't. Yep. You know, when you come in the door, you're hopeless. Mm -hmm. And 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 I felt that. So when newcomers come in the door today, I can feel their pain. Yeah, we can empathize uh, with that. That that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah, and since we can empathize with it, we can put ourselves there, and they can see that uh, they don't have number one that they don't have to go through it alone and that there is there is a way out absolutely you tell the newcomer you never have to feel this way again yeah ever ever i certainly I, I, I certainly don't miss the shaking the sweats the looking like a simpsons character you know <laughs> <laughs> somebody else has been there <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, no, there, there is nothing, there is nothing I miss about, about being a drunk. Yeah, or the lifestyle that came with it. I don't miss any of it anymore. Well, you know, here I am nine years later trying to fix some of the wreckage I created 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I've learned that when the telephone rings, answer it. Yeah. You know, I've learned, uh, you know, when you have to pay a bill, just write the check. And, uh, yeah, my conscience is clear today, bro. That's it. Uh, and that's what makes us free to be able to, that's what I, I feel like true freedom is being able to go through your day, just doing God's will. I, it, I really have nothing else to do, but breathe in and out. Otherwise I just go through my day, yeah. um, and, and be available for God. You know, life gets real good when I learn to stay out of the way. Yeah. You know, um, like I said, you know, I, I, I wake up in the morning I, and I ask for direction and I think about the 24 hours ahead. And um, regardless what situation comes up, man, mm -hmm. God's got me. Yeah. You know, and people ask people ask me, how come you don't stress about this? How come you not worry? God's got me. Yeah. And they're like, what? Because yeah. they remember they remember who I used to be, how I used to act. Yeah. And, and now we get to now we get to put calamity and serenity together it works for us i can have a lot of stuff going on and still have serenity i can do that in, inner inner peace is is a, probably the biggest part of me not wanting to ever give up my sobriety because i have a level of inner peace today mm-hmm that you can't buy man yeah it, it, it's irreplaceable mm -hmm. you know it used to be I, I i never slept i'd put my head down on the pillow and my mind wouldn't fucking stop and uh 
Today it's not that way, man. I, you know, when it, when, when I, I put my head on the pillow at night, I, I didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. I didn't fuck anybody over. I didn't steal anything. I didn't hurt. I didn't damage anything. Yeah. I, tr- I treated people with respect. You know, we, we do that review of our day yep. every day, like it also says in the big book. And I would have to say that 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I, I'm, I'm almost batting a thousand and near perfect. <laughs> you know, I'm still human, you sure. know, and, uh. and those, those alcoholic tendencies still raise their ugly head every once in a while. Sure. You know, but today I have a, a set of tools and, and I have a way to handle these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, step 10 has become pretty big in, in the latter part of my sobriety here. Absolutely. Like if I do hurt somebody or I do say something to offend somebody, I can pull that person aside today, look them in the eyes and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I and feel good about it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't have to feel. I get to feel today. Yeah. We don't let shame take over. Instead, we deal with it right then and there. And then it's over with. Then we're done. I, I, I was, uh, I think I was riddled by guilt my entire life, man. Yeah. I was even guilty when I didn't fucking do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, still I, don't, I don't like it when a cop's behind me. I just like, you know, you know? I, 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 I got pulled over going down I-25 at 77 miles an hour two months ago. Okay. I saw the, I saw the cop coming. I saw him when I passed him. I saw him coming. I pulled over. He comes up, he goes, he goes, you were going pretty fast. I said, I know, man, I'm sorry. I said, I'm just tired. I want to go home and take a nap and go to work again. And I said, here's my insurance. You know, here's my registration. He goes, man, he goes, your attitude is so good. He goes, yeah. I have to give you a ticket, but it's going to be zero points. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, buddy. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens when you don't take your attitude out on other people. Yeah, amazing things will happen when you stop being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> weird. You know, I, I've never, I've never been, never been accused of being a nice guy. But man, Dion, I can look in the mirror, and I'm a pretty nice guy today, bud. Is it? Isn't that cool? To actually, you know yeah. I, no, I, I'm no longer an asshole. It's nice. You know, I, I was told to pray for those people we don't like. Mm-hmm. I do that. At, you know, I, I oh, pray absolutely. for absolutely. Pray for my ex-wives every day. I, I pray for some of these assholes I work with every day. And, and it's funny, after you do this for a period of time, it no longer bugs you. Mm-hmm. Yep. God can do for me what I can't do for myself. Yeah. And that's a and that's a that's the skill of of letting go and letting God. And we've developed that skill. So that when we're done with something, we're like, all right, I'm done with it. Have a great day. It's all I yours, think I I think I read that somewhere. Let go, let God. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> it's like it's in a book, think, like a think, blue think. book. First things first. <laughs> yeah. Live and let live. I don't know, man. Crazy um, shit, man. Cool. Well, Matthew, thank you again, man, for, for coming on. I really enjoyed getting getting to know you. I appreciate you taking your and I appreciate you taking your time. You know, I'd, I'd like to hang out, go for coffee sometime, brother. We could have this conversation all day long. Absolutely. Yeah, we can. We can certainly do that. Um, you know, coronavirus is lifting here. So looks like we're uh, going to be able to get out and about maybe a little bit. I don't know. 
we can't talk about politics, bro. Don't give me. Oh, started that's right. That'll that'll don't, be on along the same lines. Bad, yeah. Bad. Don't get me started about this coronavirus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You know, I was told something a long time ago with my 90 meetings in 90 days, and that was, I was told, work your program like you drank. Go to meetings like you drank. Yep. And I drank every day, all day. So I go to meetings every day, all day. And do this thing right in here. Me. Do this thing in here like you did th that thing out there, and you mm -hmm. have a good shot. Yep. And instead of setting myself up for failure... Now I set myself up for success um, Amen. by praying, doing that sort of thing. All right, guys. Well, thank you, guys. It's been a fantastic. Uh, I love all my listeners, man. I know you guys are out there. I know you enjoyed this one. Um, you know, it is amazing how stories can, how we can relate so much to stories in different parts and where Matthew and I may have grown up on opposite sides of the world I'm a Brit too. So, I mean, you just never know who you're going to meet or what God's going to put in your path is going to be so much better than you or I could ever imagine. So thanks for being here. I love you guys. Peace out and have a day.